0: cool how's it going everybody this is the conscious bodybuilding podcast today i have jess on jess is an online coach and jess is someone who i found uh a while back actually i think when you were with revive um but you're someone that i was drawn to uh for a number of reasons i think first i saw a lot of your book recommendations and they were like books that i had already read and then some others that actually uh Delve, delve or dove into uh, that were really interesting um, and then I noticed that uh, a lot of your content was was really cool um, as far as how transparent you were and um, a lot of the things that you talked about so I think that kind of separated you from other coaches and, and what initially drew me to you um, if you could could you give like a brief introduction of yourself to my audience and kind of what has led you to where you are as far as a coach currently? yeah sure.
1: Um, So I have been training for five to six years now, purely bodybuilding. I hired Steve, I want to say four, four years ago, Steve from Revive Stronger. Yeah, that's yeah. probably important to say. See from Revive Stronger four years ago. Um, before that, I was training by myself for a couple of years, evidence-based. Um, I followed RP, I followed 3DMJ, JPS in Australia, uh, and try to educate myself as much, as much as possible. And then I was doing, I was, I was working shitty jobs and I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. So I just decided to follow my passion for bodybuilding. I flew to Australia from France, where I'm originally from, and I did an in-person certification and mentorship at JPS, which is an evidence-based facility, um, online program. They do all sorts of qualifications. Um, And I stayed stayed there in Melbourne for about nine months, just learning, shadowing people in the gym, uh, just educating myself even more on the evidence-based side of things, and then Steve at Revive Stronger offered me an internship. I uh, was an intern for about a year. It went really well. So they offered me a full-time position. Uh, So I've been a bodybuilding coach, health and fitness coach for about three years now, full-time. And um, I have been diving into more psychology um, and the mental health aspect of coaching as well. That like, for me, comes with it and it, it doesn't have to be a separate thing and it's even like if I have to acknowledge that both work in combination anyway um so I've been diving into more psychological things um so I'm trying to I'm trying to practice an a compassionate and evidence-based approach to approach to to my coaching with my with my clients but I still coach competitors I coach jet pop clients um I coach like your regular gym goer um so it's quite broad. Um, I teach people, sometimes I coach people and teach people about nutrition and just mental health. Um, So I don't just do coaching for bodybuilding purposes. It's more like, and that's why I'm just, I've just created my app and I called it health and fitness because I wanted to have that aspect of health. That was important for me just outside of fitness as well, because it encompasses mental health and physical health. Um, does that answer a question that was very
0: long-winded? <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, uh, a few things. Uh, one, I think, with uh, a lot of people assume that because, because, like, when you first say like, oh, like compassionate coaching, uh, sometimes my brain wants to go to like, well, that's just like Gen Pop. But then I, then if you think about it, like, uh, competitors need compassion too. Uh, maybe they don't think that they do. Maybe they they think that they are a lot uh, tend to think that they might be a little bit harder and and, and whatnot, but uh, there is definitely uh, compassion that needs to come from from a coach and then also from the competitor to themselves as well. Uh, they're not like you know uh, competitors definitely have a different psychology and that has to be treated as such. But um, uh, that's just one thing that I just thought of as you mentioned that is how important that is uh, alone is is actually being empathetic uh, and, and like like you're going to have a competitor who, you know, maybe slips up here and there and um, knowing how to navigate that and, and, and be empathetic, but also hold them accountable, I think is really big. So I like that you mentioned that. Um, And uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, well, was your, were you first, when you first were introduced into um, like bodybuilding was, were you, were you already kind of diving into the evidence-based approach or did you kind of get some of the misinformation uh, like a lot of people do at, at the beginning? Like what, what was your introduction to it? Mm-hmm
1: um i was uh I, I was living with american football players back when i was 23 um and they were all going to the gym uh, so i was drawn to the gym through them uh so i started training but i did not want i was scared of like going into like the weightlifting room so i started with like zumba classes like the right. typical female thing cardio um restricting calories uh i've done it all <laughs> like the the binges and restricting cycles, uh, the hit classes, the, the just group classes overall. Um, and then I met my ex when I was 24 and he was into bodybuilding, typical bro split. So, you know, one day chess and you just do like an incline, a decline, a flat bench, and then like all the flies and all the, all the machines just for chess. Uh, so I did that for about a year. Uh grew a fuck ton of muscle because I was a newbie. So- before- right whatever works at this point just works. Um, and then I started questioning, I've always had a pretty um, like, pretty good sense of critical thinking. Um, so I started questioning him like, hey, why do we do this that way? Um, and then we split up after a while and I started to educate myself and I was looking for the answers that I couldn't find in the kind of bro industry side mm-hmm. of the fitness industry. Um, and um, yeah, I just discovered uh, Revive Stronger, 3JMJ, RP, started reading books, uh, articles, listening to podcasts, educating myself. So that was really just out of critical thinking and asking myself questions about like, hey, we do this that way, but I wonder if there's something more optimal there or what's the rationale behind this? Um, so just curiosity. curiosity, yeah.
0: and, and kind of searching for that why of why, why do we do things? Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's how it arose for me too, is, is kind of asking why mine was from experiences with coaches and asking why not getting the answers that I wanted to hear or not getting any wise, really Um, being curious as to, to, uh, I think one thing is like being curious as to, is there a better way to do things? And, and and that's something that's always kind of guided me is like, is, is there a better way? Could I be a better bodybuilder? Could I be better? Uh, and I feel like if you stick to some of that bro stuff, if you really want to get better, uh, it's kind of a natural evolution that'll occur where you start asking why and you start looking for, you know, better. And and that's how I think some people find it. Unfortunately, not everybody does, but uh, that's that's kind of how I found it as well.
1: Yeah. And I think you could do things both ways you could literally just be a typical bro and you know gear yourself up as much as you can and just get stupidly big and be decently big but if you want right. to do things for health as well yeah you have to pass that like i'm just gonna you know inject as much as i can and i'm just gonna like you know lift as much as i can and go to failure every single day Or it's like your body is going to give you some limitations at some point, whether you want it or not.
0: <laughs> right, right, and that's where I was separated from that crowd, uh, specifically, is because of the psychological aspect of of the the, the the gear and the being pushing so hard that you you know just psychologically break. Some people. Have a certain resilience to that and then also asking like why and why am i doing this to my health is there something that you know when you're talking enhanced bodybuilding is there is there a better way to do this that's a little bit safer um that's where a really big kind of like questioning uh arose for for, for myself um but i that, i think that's a great transition because i wanted to talk to you a little bit about psychology and um as i found you i think around now yeah, maybe a year or so in you had mentioned that you were having trouble um getting a, a proper diagnosis, you, you had an idea that you might have ADHD um and anxiety and depression. Is that is that correct?
1: Yeah, and, ADHD anxiety disorder, clinical depression.
0: Yeah. All of it. And and you you had mentioned you had uh you were living in France at the time and you had trouble getting a proper diagnosis. Uh, could you briefly touch on that experience um and uh you know what that was like
1: it was a shit show. Um, so in France, adult ADHD is not recognized as a condition. It's not a mental health condition. So kids can be diagnosed for ADHD. For some results, those kids eventually grow into adults, but those adults aren't supposed to have ADHD anymore. That's how French France, the French system works. I don't know why it's that way, but it's that way. Um, yeah. So there's only one clinic in France that do uh, adult ADHD Guidance and um, some sort of diagnosis, but it's not a proper diagnosis. Um, so I had about three to four different appointments across six months um, during COVID. So that was not fun, and I had to drive six hours round trip for each of those appointments. Um, the the appointments were like fifteen minutes long, and I had no other choice than to go to that clinic because that's the only one in the country that diagnoses adult for ADHD. Yeah. Um, and uh so they pretty much said that i had ADHD, and then started me on medication the medication flared up my anxiety disorder so then i was diagnosed with a generalized anxiety disorder uh that put me into uh pretty pretty much clinical depression uh because i just didn't know how to navigate any of this and i had no support whatsoever because it's not like a recognized condition in france um right. so yeah It was tricky complicated it was a fucking shit show Uh, but um i'm doing better now not that i manage my adhd with medication because i still don't have access to the medication that i need but i'm hoping that as things go on i get um availability through the u.s system um because that's my only hope now
0: yeah yeah um was that uh, you you recently moved to the us was that part of your deciding factor is this, is this accessibility to healthcare or or the, those sort of treatments was that was that something that was on your mind potentially not that we have like a, a amazing healthcare system but
1: in in terms of mental health it's definitely up there it's more helpful than in france like massively more accessible right um less stigmatized um and very much so accessible compared to france um but it wasn't one of the primary decision because I still struggle to have access to my medication because I don't have a permanent visa yeah. in the US, um, so it's a bit tricky right now. But um, definitely, like I have so much to say about the US that I'm not going uh, <laughs> to dive into it. But um, yeah, the the mental health side of things is definitely more, it's it's much better than in France.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and the reason I wanted to bring that up is because. Um, your transparency about your experience with ADHD, I brought this up to you before, was one of the reasons why I pushed my girlfriend to go see a specialist. And then I ended up getting treated as well. And um, one, I think your speaking uh, on it helped destigmatize it for myself, but it also helped me recognize that my girlfriend might be struggling with some of these things. I remember uh, having conversations with her uh, about... Um, you know, like I'm very rational and sometimes it's probably not the best for uh, relationships or being empathetic. It's something that I'm learning. Um, You know, a lot of the time people don't want to be met with with a rational um, conversation when they are upset or or dealing with something more. So they just want emotional support. Um, But I'm very like, well, like we could do this. This is a, a strategy we could use here. But then I started to realize that a lot of the support uh, even if she did, uh, implement some of the advice that I provided her, uh, with, with full intention of, of her, or benefiting herself, um, you know, not that I'm an expert or anything, but I was just trying to help any way I could, um, that it was just, it was, it wasn't sustainable. And then I just started realizing like, this is something that's beyond myself or, or anybody in her circle that can help her. And I kept pushing her and pushing her to get a diagnosis and, and they, um, uh, were able to, she actually had the same or similar diagnosis to you. Um, and, and she was able to get treated, but then I started realizing that I had a lot of the similar behaviors. Um, I didn't have ADHD, but I have this uh, very cyclical behavior that I recognized where I would have, um, uh, bouts of, of, of extreme productivity. And then, uh, almost like it was on like the same days of the week, I would just, just crash and burn and like get really down on myself. Um, and I would would not do anything and it was just like very cyclical behaviors um there was days where i was prevented from doing just function daily functioning tasks due to my anxiety um and maybe that's uh you know uh elevated due to the pharmacology that i implement as a bodybuilder but um it was something that was i mean i mean i've been dealing with that since high school and it's it's very stigmatized especially for for men um, to, to deal with, like, I I remember I first started seeing a therapist and I had mentioned it to my clients and it was still like, what are you doing? Like, that's not, you know, it was, it was like a really weird thing. Um, but it it also stemmed from that, Hey, I want to do better. I want to be the best person and bodybuilder I could be. I want to be the best spouse. I want to, you know, be the best dog parent, whatever it is. Um, and I noticed that this thing was standing in the way of, of me potentially doing that, um, especially when I feel like I've done all, like a, I remember a, a, a distinct, uh, I won't ramble too much, but a distinct conversation I had with my therapist where he was like, you're doing all the things like, you know, it was just like, he was just, we were going through all the stuff and he was like, yes, this is like exactly what, and it was more so of like, a, you know, he was just kind of working on, on smaller things with me. And I was starting to realize like, oh my gosh, like this, there's something else here um, and then eventually I got the diagnosis uh, of, of, uh, severe anxiety and mild depression and, um, started treating it, uh, and, and it, before I started this contest prep, and I think in the past, uh, one of the limiting factors for me to complete uh, a contest prep w- was my anxiety. So yeah, I mean, first, uh, thank you for, for your, uh, transparency there, but, but I just wanted to, 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 to say that because of how huge it is. Uh, for people to be transparent, especially people who have a social media following, people who coach other people, um as much as you're comfortable with being a, a, about things like that. And, and you know, I, I understand that people want to keep some of their life private. And that's totally respectable. But um, you know, it's helped me tremendously. And and I hope that even me stating that I've done this, I've mentioned it to some of my clients who I've identified might have anxiety, like maybe you should see a specialist. Um, and um, I think it's really important to do that. Is it Has that been something that was difficult for you to do when speaking about your struggles um, with?
1: No, and I think that's why I enjoy doing it. I think it's pretty natural for me to be open about those things. Um, I don't know if it's my nature, if it's just character traits, if it's like just I don't know what it is. But right. I find myself easily open about those things. And the support that I've gotten and the kind of afterward, like reward was people telling me that it helped them getting a diagnosis. It helped them seeing a therapist. And I got my diagnosis for ADHD and I figured out that I had like an anxiety disorder because of people speaking up as well. Um, And because it's very stigmatized everywhere, the more you speak up about those things, the more people you can reach. And even if you reach just one person, it's life changing like you have anxiety you know how debilitating it can be and i right. wish anxiety on no one because it's terrible um and people who don't have anxiety as uh dogmatic as i can sound cannot understand how terrible it can be um, but and and if you if you have the ability to reach out to people even like indirectly, I think we all have kind of like a role to play there. And if there's ever a good use of social media for me, I'm, I'm done with like all the, I wanna be famous, I wanna be known or whatever. It's like, if you can reach out to like a few people and help them, like that makes my day. And I'm happy with that. And I don't need more, but I haven't found it particularly difficult to open about those things, right. uh, to open up about those things.
0: I think, and I think it, it does take a a, a certain uh, type of person to some degree. I think it also takes being secure with yourself. Uh, I think the more secure with myself I've become, the more I've been able to speak out about just anything and just be uh, as transparent as possible. I think it's really important for my brand. I think it's really important for for helping people because they can actually relate to you. You seem like a human uh, as opposed to someone who you know posts photos of their you know physique or or whatnot no no shame on people who tend to, who, who um brand and market themselves that way um but obviously that's not something that you you are trying to do or myself like it's more so about how can we reach the most amount of people possible how can we help more people with our brand um at least that's a part of it to some degree um but and yeah you, i think
1: yeah, sorry and you reach the right people you reach the people you right be reaching out to yeah yeah is- exactly a huge difference with like I'm just going to reach out to like anybody and and then they're not going to buy into you because they're going to realize that you're not a great fit for them they're not a great fit for you and you can't right. help anybody like you can't help everybody anyway so you might as well just reach out to people who are gonna you know who who resonate with what you're trying to say yeah
0: yeah filter those people out uh, beforehand right and and I think being authentic and you know if we're speaking about social media and reach I think if you are not being genuine, you're going to attract those types of people. And if you're trying to monetize that somehow, it's a lot more difficult to monetize that, unless you are, you know, again, trying to monetize yourself in a non-authentic way. But uh, if you're trying to build an authentic brand, it does take a lot more time for sure, but you get those kind of people who stick around, who you build better relationships with, the people who are better fit, Um, it's definitely the long game that you have to play, but, and it's very difficult in social media where you have these people who are blowing up who, you know, their life's perfect and they have these amazing physiques all the time year round. And whether that's reality or not, um, that is, uh, the, the type of brand that they build and, and the type of following they build, um, those aren't the kind of people that stick around. Those aren't the kind of people who buy into a brand. Those aren't the kind of people, uh, you know, again, it, it kind of. I think you should look within and, and, and ask what type of person you are and what you want to attract when you're making content and, and when you're being, you know, uh, open and things like that. But I think that's a big part of it for sure.
1: It's about your integrity. You have to figure out your integrity and how to stay aligned with your integrity. And that's yeah. been a huge difference for me. I I'm currently reading The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck and that has been transformative on like my integrity side of things. Um, I learn more and more how to just be myself and market myself to the right people, the people that I want to work with. Yeah. And it's definitely taking more time than like you would if you were just like, you know, displaying your physique and winning shows and whatever. Yeah. But I find it's I find it much more easier to fall asleep at night, knowing that I am doing the right thing for myself and for the people that work with me. Um, So you're never going to make millions out of it, but I'm okay with it. I'm not looking to be a millionaire. Um, If I can have a sustainable lifestyle and do what I need to do with the amount of money that I'm making, that's all I need.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Um, What was I going to say on that? um yeah and I think I think for myself I don't know how this uh maybe relates to you or if you have something like this for me with the integrity thing is having a set of like principles or having a set of rules that I kind of stick to um like hey this is these are things that I always want to stay in line with these are things that um I kind of always will follow and that's always helped me Is just, like having these kind of like Hey, you know, I'm never going to try to to do this kind of uh, marketing or whatever because it doesn't align with who I am. And I think making sure that that those principles uh, align with your integrity, align with who you are, is what allows you to sleep at night. Anytime I've done something where um, it didn't align, that's when I get that friction. That's when I uh, feel uh, unhappy or, or 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 whatnot, or have trouble sleeping at night. Um, I don't know how you feel about something like that, but.
1: It, it's an anxiety trigger for me now. Like, yeah, I know yeah. if, I, if I if I do something that feels out of alignment with my integrity, with my values, I'm, I am massively triggered through anxiety. Yeah, I get anxiety attacks and I get super anxious throughout the day. And, you know, if I have a client that I took on because I desperately needed money or I really wanted to, like, cash out on the opportunity really quick and it's not a great fit, Every time I'm going to get an answer for them, a check in for them, a message from them, I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be like, I'm I'm going to know that I've done something that's not aligned with myself. And I don't want to do that anymore. And even if I'm struggling financially, I set the limit for myself of like, hey, if this is not a great fit, you will know. And you're not going to take them on because it's too much work. It's too much mental capacity that it's taking from me. And it's never going to be worth it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a really important thing to say because it's very, it's, it, it can be difficult to be, um, you know, you recently started your own coaching business and, uh, excuse me, and, um, you know, I did the same a few years back. And um, luckily at that time, I was still uh, waiting tables. So I didn't have to rely on the income. But at the same time, you have this, like, I'm just going to take on anybody that comes to, you know, especially when you have very few people coming in it's like okay well I'll just take on anybody it, it'll you know it'll work out and then you start to realize your success rate with people like that um isn't you know always the best and and you and you start to for me i was like what am i doing wrong but then i started just realizing after a while like after i started kind of refining my process and learning even more i was like well like maybe it isn't necessarily something i'm doing wrong maybe it wasn't a great fit it can be the other person too sometimes um, as much as I don't like to to, to point there, but um, you know, you have to make sure that you're taking on people who align with you, um, and that's a very difficult thing to do, uh, especially when you are trying to make a living, right? Um, so, so maybe for the up and coming coach, like maybe not fully relying on that income right away, um, and, and having another source of income is probably a smart thing to do if you want to do it the correct way. Again, you could probably pay someone to run Facebook ads and get a ton of people coming at your door um but you know it doesn't necessarily uh, allow you to to filter out um you know people who could be great a uh, great fit but
1: and you have to market yourself um a way that is aligned with what you are um, teaching people, educating people on and the way you are working with people. Um, I know that my social media, most of the time, display that and, and people who reach out to me for coaching, not people like outbound and purpose, but people who actually reach out to me always are great fits because they follow me for a while. They know what I'm about. They know what yeah. I do and know who that's you my marketing. Yeah, right. and um, right. that authenticity and integrity is my marketing. And this is a way for me to say like, Uh, If you're you're here for a quick fix, if you're here for someone to just yell at you because you didn't eat your calories, this isn't me and this is not going to work. And I make a point during, I have a questionnaire that I send people before the consultation. I have a thorough consultation with them. And then I have an an onboarding process that has a very comprehensive coaching manual. Everything is detailed they hear it from me three different times. I do a compassionate coaching. This is a collaboration. This is not like me putting my coaching hat on and telling you what to do. I want you to you know, walk away from this coaching experience knowing that you don't need another coach probably in your life unless you're a competitor, which is a different like kind of thing. Right. Um, or uh, you want to compete in powerlifting or whatever. But if people come to me, I tell them, whatever however long you stay with me this is all you need you will have the tools to actually be okay in the world and you'll be fine and that's the goal like I don't want you to jump from coach to coach because you're not finding what you want like the goal is for you to be self-sufficient when you walk out of this coaching experience
0: yeah yeah and and I think one thing I always uh, try to think about is sometimes that with that kind of uh, coach hopping thing uh sometimes someone comes to you because they had a bad experience with a coach. And how it, it's so important that you treat that situation delicately. Like uh this could be someone's last experience. This was for me in 2017. It was one of my last. Like I was about to quit bodybuilding because I had a bad experience with a coach. And then I went to a coach who had a more evidence-based approach and it was just much much better. And uh, you know, I am where I am today. Because of that, and I think about that every time someone comes to me, especially if they've been struggling with with uh, certain aspects uh, psychologically or physically or whatever it may be, is like this could be their last shot. And then thinking about the impact that you could have on that person um, is is something that always kind of has me aligned with like my values. Is like, hey, what? And then one other thing I want to mention is like, if you've ever met someone who you looked up to. Um, or you thought you knew like a celebrity or whatever that is. And then you meet them and they're not the way that they present themselves on like social never, media.
1: Never it's, meet the heroes. Most,
0: it's the most disappointing thing ever. And that can really, really throw a wrench in a lot of things for, for people um, as it has for myself. So that's another thing is like, you know, you could be this person on social media, but if you're not that person in real life, like even if I'm talking to someone at the gym, I, I always try to be who I am right but you know you have that friction if you aren't uh, that for sure
1: and it's it's so common in a fitness industry because all those big accounts are not run by the people who are actually like right. displayed in this account like' yeah, it's yeah. Just, like it's you're never going to talk to them really. If they have like millions of followers or even hundreds of thousands, the probability that you're talking to them through DMs is very, very low. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then some, a lot of the time they do have a brand and, and it's sometimes an actual character that they built around that um, for, for various reasons. Right. Um, so uh, I definitely wanted to get into, as we're talking about coaching, um, I want this to be helpful for coaches, but also clients as well, people who are looking for coaches and things like that. Um, how do you as a coach facilitate communication? Um, I want to get into expectations as well, but, but communication, um, how is it, how important is it to the uh, success of a coach client relationship and um, what needs to be facilitated on either side of that relationship for it to function in regards to communication?
1: you have to create a safe space for people to share what they're going through because at some, like we're humans, one or the other person, whether you're a coach or an athlete, one is going to make a mistake. It's inevitable. Like we're humans. Like we make mistakes. We learn from them. This is just how we live and learn. Um, So it's just creating a safe space, a a space safe enough for both to be, okay with acknowledging, hey, I made a mistake, um, and I want to fix it. How can we move forward with that? And really hammering down how open you are, and how you are okay with people sharing hard stuff with you. Because most of the time, when people get to coaching, they're going to have disordered eating patterns, they're going to have body dysmorphia, they're going to have a low self-esteem, low self-confidence, because This is usually why people reach out for coaching because they're lost, they're spinning their wheels, they're not confident enough in what they're doing and they just want that kind of help. Um, And you have to be there to support them and not not offering them a solution too fast, but like letting them find that out for themselves, not putting pressure on them, um, but just making them have realistic goals and facilitating... Um, their achievement of that goal through communication and creating a safe space for them to be able to share. But what I personally do with my clients is just like, hey, I'm human. Sometimes I'm going to make mistakes. I'm always open about it. You can give me feedback on it. And I say the same to my clients you're going to make mistakes if you binge, if you restrict, if you overdo your cardio because you binged the day before, if you have any kind of struggle, like you can talk to me and I've never encountered clients who lie to me or hid things from me because I make sure during the consultation that they know what I'm about and they know that this is a safe space for them to share anything they want. As long as they're okay sharing this, obviously there are things that I like out of my scope of practice, um, but most of the time they know that they can share and they actually do. Um, so I would say just being very straightforward with communication um, and telling them if you struggle with something, you can be vulnerable with me, I'm holding space for you to process that and it sounds very like hippie yippie uh, and I get that it's like when I talk right. about meditation and journaling or whatever people are always like, this sounds kind of hippie yippie this doesn't sound really evidence based but if you read some literature on the compassion, on changing of like of behavioral changes, compassion is at the forefront of everything that you can change in terms of behaviors because it matters so much to do things from like a self-love and compassionate perspective than just hating what you are and who you are. Um, sorry, that was a very long ramble. No, no, that's great. Did Did you get an answer out of that?
0: Yes, most definitely. Um, I think one, I think it's, it's something that's becoming more, uh, socially acceptable with our generation. Uh, you know, I think that kind of like tough love isn't as popular. Um, and I noticed that with a lot of like older coaches, especially in the bodybuilding industry where it's a lot of tough love, um, coaching. And I just think that, um, you know, and, and even, um, with the, the generation before us, uh, to some degree that, that raised uh, a lot of us, it was, that was kind of a lot of the, the parenting style too. Um, and uh, meeting someone with compassion, I think, is is huge. I think I've noticed that through experience as well, and 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 having that compassion with yourself as much as with other people, um, and also um, having that emotional support system, whether it's through a coach or people around you, um, is is huge. Is huge for that that success because you can only internalize so much uh, before you kind of you you kind of lose it. But uh, one thing I did want to ask on that is um do you ever find that it sometimes takes a little bit of time with certain clients because i found this myself is sometimes they do need to build, build that trust with you before they are transparent about certain things like that even if you are you know telling them hey which i think is really huge and something i don't do that i would like to do more is like hey like it's okay i think people come to me um a lot of the time they're like there's this big bodybuilder and he's like you know he's, he's 250 pounds and whatever and, and like he does all these things uh, you know, I can't screw up, but then they, you know, and I think this is something I want to do more on my social media is like be more transparent about the struggles I deal with so that people understand that, like I'm human as well. Um, and I deal with a lot of these things my, myself, but also kind of telling people like, Hey, this is, I'm not here to judge you. Right. This is, this is a place where I want you, I want to help you get better. Um, I think just even saying that is, is definitely huge, but, but sorry to, uh, go ahead and, 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 uh, answer what I was uh, discussing about trust and stuff.
1: No, you didn't really ask the question. You were leading up to it, and oh
0: no, just uh, just uh, in regards to um, um, it, how do you build that? How do you build that trust, or what do you do in, in oh, that yeah. um, in that period of time? Maybe if you if you haven't built that trust with somebody, um, yeah. do you you know sometimes you can observe that there's maybe something going on. Um,
1: you know, yeah, you you have prep brain, I have COVID brain, so we both <laughs> got a valid excuse. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I. I think some people will definitely take a little bit longer to come around because they're not comfortable at first. It's really through the way you express yourself with people, the way you talk to them, um, not on a daily basis, but, you know, every check in. I do video check ins with my clients, uh, so I get to talk to them each week um, and I build that trust over time through being very open about my struggles and trying to be relatable with them or understanding where they're coming from if i if i've never been through what they've been through i still make a point in holding space and validating what they're going through i have some people who are terrified of wearing something short sleeve because they think their arms are fat for example and i have to acknowledge that it's a valid thing for them even though i look at them in like video yeah. check-ins and from videos and i'm like they are normal but their distorted perception because of a, like a background of eating disorders or anything else like that it makes them it make it makes it valid for them to have that struggle in those thoughts and you have to acknowledge and, and create some kind of space even if you don't understand what they're going through so again we, we relate back to empathy and compassion and just being very open and just maybe if people are struggling to open up opening up yourself first and trying to let them know like hey I've been there and I know what you're going through or I've never been there but I know people who have been there and I've helped them before um so I know exactly what you're going through even if I haven't experienced it myself um people want to people one of the primary driver for like just just being human in general we want to be able to communicate and connect with people if people have that connection aspect on point if you know like hey, like, I just want to connect with you. I just want to be humanized. This is what matters. Like, people just want to be humans, and they just want to be open and they want to be okay with not being perfect. So you have to give them space for that and showing them that, hey, everybody's going through that. Like, all of my clients go through that kind of struggle, whatever it is, like body dysmorphia, not being strong enough, or like not being lean enough, whatever it is um all my clients go through that at some point and even i go through that at some point so it's just making yourself relatable and relating to people and giving them that empathy and compassion that they're looking for
0: yeah yeah that's really interesting i think the video call is really interesting i that's something i I always try to do uh with whatsapp is like voice messages the video check-ins like they get to they get to hear your tone so like if you're saying like hey you know um they you know, I noticed this here or whatever. It doesn't sound like you're being um, like uh, accusatory or something like that. Like you're actually asking a question, but sometimes with, with text, it can get lost. Um, and and that, I think that's really big. And then, yeah, so, so making sure that they feel validated. I think I like that example of also like, hey, this is something I've struggled with before, or I know someone else who's struggled with this before, um, I, so you're not alone in this situation, and, and and maybe this is how I navigated it. But you know, knowing that hey, I'm here for you in this situation, and uh, we can work through this together, right? Uh, I think that that's a really big thing for sure. Instead of meeting them with, "Hey, you screwed up," like you didn't do your way in. Why didn't you do your way in? Uh, and that's something I uh, personally like feel I need to work on to some degree. Um, uh, and, and and then always trying not to lead with negative, like hey, I noticed you did this really great this week and here's some other things that maybe we can work on for next week or, or hey, is there anything I can do to help you meet this other thing that hasn't been being met? Um, meeting them with empathy, not leading with negative things, I think is really big too. Because if you're always like, hey, you didn't do this. Hey, you didn't do this. Hey, didn't, I think that can also weigh on someone and then they, you know, maybe don't feel this, the, as confident in their ability to execute or, 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 or um, do things that are laid out for them.
1: And, and question yourself, because I have seen recently on social media, a lot of coaches saying like, coaches are not babysitters, coaching are not there to do the work for you, you have to do the work yourself. But no, like all the coaches that say that they're not actually questioning their processes, which bothers me because I'm like, maybe it's the way you do things that doesn't click with that client and they need something else, which is right. valid. Maybe you're not the right fit for them, but putting all the expectations and the pressure on the clients, not working hard enough or not being good enough or like the whole, like we all have 24 hours in a day, which like <laughs> makes me cringe. Um, it's, it's not, it's not valid, it's not a valid excuse for me. Like some people will need a different approach. Like we do this work because we work with people. We wanna help people, but some people, I feel like some coaches just wanna work with people who are easy to work with and who are absolutely following whatever they say, like they need to be following. And this bothers me because this is a service-based experience for people and you're supposed to meet them where they are not the other way around because they're actually hiring you to help them figure those things out right. so it really bothers me when people are like yeah coaches on not babysitters we're not going to do the work for you but you know sometimes you have to put yourself in your client's shoes and understand that hey if a mom has three kids and she's a single mom and she struggles to do everything at once like you can't tell them you got to do better because they are already doing the best they can. If they reach out to you, it's because they need freaking help. They're not, they don't need for you to tell them they're not doing things the right way or not working hard enough because that's not the case. Um, right. so that bothers me a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. I agree. I think it takes a certain amount of reflection. If I have ever, have anybody who ever has any problems or, or who, uh, you know, uh, like I lose a client or something like that. I really try to look within like, you know, what, what, where could I have gone wrong? What what could I have done better? You know, I'll go through the messages. I'll make sure that, but it takes a lot of like honesty, um, with yourself and, and being able to reflect, um, it, it, obviously there needs to be a point where you don't take every, you don't take the burden of everything. Right. But there also needs yeah. to be like a, Hey, like, could I have done something better? Um, and I think one thing I, I noticed that you've done, but I also, uh, had been meaning to this and just did it recently, but like kind of, um, um, asking, uh, like doing maybe a, a, questionnaire or a survey every once in a while, like, Hey, how can I help you a little bit better? Um, and then I think as a client too, you know, making sure you communicate things, like if, if you aren't, if you voice a concern and you aren't met with like, you know, empathy or, or like, uh, Oh yeah, that's maybe something I could do better or whatever, then maybe that isn't the right fit for you. Right. Cause if someone like you have, you have something that you're concerned about, uh, maybe that's not a good coach if they can't, um, you know, help you with something along the, those lines, or 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 improve their processes uh, to, to tailor it to you, meet you where you're at.
1: The, the questionnaires I I have I I didn't do the questionnaires through Revive. I actually started doing them in my own business when I launched yeah. in April. And it's been a really good experience. I don't do it every single week, but I do it at the end of every mesocycle. And I ask them like, Hey, what's nice. your biggest win this mesocycle? What's your biggest struggle? Do you need help with anything? Like we just do like, a we just reassess, we just reassess how I coach them, how they're being coached. And if there's anything we can do to make this yeah. communication collaboration better. Uh, and most of the time, we're doing fine but sometimes they bring up like single like maybe tiny little details that matter yeah. so much in the end and i'm like oh it could that's, be, yeah, a, yeah. that's just a small detail to change but it makes such a huge impact yeah um, it could so, change the
0: sustainability of their program uh, alone yeah. one change right yeah. um yeah and, and so i wanted to transition um i'll get you out of here soon but i wanted to transition into that as we're speaking about contest prep so you you did a few competitions recently and did fairly well. You got to. Um, uh, I'm not too familiar with the organization, but the the, com- the level you ended up competing at was was pretty high, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Correct.
1: It's the WNDF, so that's the biggest national federation, and I came third at Worlds. Um, yeah, so it's a big show, in Europe, And yeah, it's yeah. like the the biggest show. Uh, it's like the final. It's like the Olympia for natural bodybuilding. Um, so.
0: That's, that, that's, awesome. Uh, and I wanted, so, so I mean, we've spoken a little bit about, um, coaching different populations, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, how you navigated that. Um, did you, you were aware you had ADHD and anxiety while going through this prep, correct? Oh, yeah. How did you, how did you navigate that? Um, with, with those, uh, cause I want to speak on it a, lo- uh, a little, bit as well, um, as I'm going into a national level show as well. And, and I have anxiety <laughs> and that's something I wanted to touch on, but, but yeah, how did you navigate that?
1: Uh, it was difficult. It was very difficult. Uh, I didn't have um, everything in place to be as successful as I wanted to be. And looking back, there are many things that I would have liked to do differently. Um, right. But it was a lot about, I, I was very isolated. I was living with my grandparents. Um, so I didn't go out. Um, I, I completely cut out my social life for like an entire year. Uh, the only thing that kept me grounded was my communication with my coach which was very helpful Steve was very helpful Uh, and I had been working with him for three years at that point so we knew each other perfectly yeah Uh, and the other thing was just really walking and listening to audiobooks Uh, as simple as that sounds Every night, I was taking an hour walk. Or every morning, when I woke up, and I was just listening to an audiobook and try to shut down the world and just have that, you know, one hour to myself. I knew that then I could like do whatever I wanted the rest of the day. I had that moment with me, and that was like kind of the thing I was looking forward to. Um, I had meds. I was on SSRI, so I was on Nexium Pro for almost the entire prep. Um, so that was obviously helpful. Uh, I've changed SSRI since then because they weren't strong enough anymore, but that was helpful during prep. And I have impeccable sleep um, hygiene. My sleep was absolutely banging, which was uh, probably, which probably played a huge role in me achieving everything. Now, in terms of business, I had to scale down to doing the bare minimum. So I was just doing the work with the clients that I had. I didn't really advertise. I didn't really market myself. Um, so it was very, I, I was very much doing whatever I could. Uh, so it was kind of, it, it was kind of, you know, how prep is like already kind of surviving things. And that yeah. was like surviving things like tenfold. Um, so right, right. It, it made the experience very morning after all because i'm like right. hey i made it this far and yeah. i'm very proud of myself but looking back there are so many things i could have done better um you you can always like if you look back to things you're oh, like 100%. i could have done this better <laughs> yeah, but, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, it, it was just a lot of like trial and error really figuring things out every day and journaling about them and be like hey today this didn't work this did work let's focus on what worked and it's try to twitch like switch like a few things and the things that didn't work um so it's a lot of refining things um trial and yeah. error and being compassionate to yourself acknowledging that you're gonna make mistakes and that's okay because you can't figure everything out if you don't make mistakes um so that was a big part too just having that yeah. self-awareness
0: yeah that's huge i think to kind of work backwards the mistakes thing i think is really big i think uh competing at any level you know psychological um disorders or or not um is difficult it's very difficult and there are mistakes that are going to be made and competitors are man rarely transparent about the things that they go through the struggles right. like it, it's very it, it's very hard to understand that sometimes if you don't have a coach um and you're just looking on social media you just assume that like you know these guys are just nailing it every day they're hitting all their sessions they're not dealing with anything hard i mean like i how many bodybuilders are, are binging before their shows? There's, there's gotta be a lot. Like I can't imagine that there aren't a lot of bodybuilders with these overly restricted diets doing two hours of cardio, that there aren't people binging on their diets um, and, and, and things like that, that they're dealing with, but, uh, they often aren't because it is very stigmatized. Um, I, I, I myself also, uh, got medicated with Lexapro before I did this contest prep knowing uh, you know, getting that treatment before knowing that I, I, it was a huge limiting factor for myself, uh, before. And that was something that would cause me to break and, 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 um, you know, slip up in the past because my anxiety would get the best of me. Um, I think all those things are, it's funny how, how similar it is where I, I'm also kind of, I'm a very private person. I tend to be somewhat isolated myself. Um, so, um, you know, I have my girlfriend, my, my dogs and whatever, but, um, having that time with yourself is really big. Um, I even kind of like have, have, you know, at the, towards the tail end here, kind of told my girlfriend that like, Hey, I'm going to do my walk first, listen to my podcast, then I'll come back in take the dogs out with you. Um, having that time, I, it's, just, it's literally exactly what I do. I do the, the hour uh, or 30 minutes walk in the morning. I do one at night as well. That really helps me unwind. Having a podcast, uh, is, is so huge. Sleep hygiene, um, man, that one gets so overlooked by a lot of people, but I have like a very distinct routine every night. It starts at a certain time. The lights uh, get dimmed. I start taking certain supplements. I go for my walk. I take a shower. Like it is, it is so regimented. And especially as you get diet fatigued and training fatigue, uh, that is one that can break people in, in contest prep is, is not oh, yeah. nailing the sleep because, uh, well, your hunger cues go up your, you know, your hunger hormones go up your, uh, your, your pain tolerance goes down, uh, your fatigue level goes up. I mean, it talk about how to make contest prep 10 times harder, needlessly not having a sleep hygiene routine, not getting enough sleep uh, right there. And then especially if you deal with anxiety, uh, that, that, that just makes it 10 times worse, uh, makes everything way more challenging. Um, I don't, have you had to deal with, um, like setting, this is something that I've learned, uh, I knew it before. I always know. it, And I always have to re- remind myself of it. But having certain boundaries um, for yourself, like, like, for example, like there's certain rules I can't break, like I can't, I have to go to the gym at a certain time. Um, I have to have certain things that need to be done at certain times. Um, and if I break those rules, that kind of makes things much more challenging. Is that something you've had to deal with at all?
1: I have ADHD. I live my life like it's a routine. It's a consistent routine. Yeah, yeah. I have to have that routine. Otherwise, everything goes to shit. Um, yeah. I, on prep, I do client work first thing in the morning. They are my biggest priority. I want to have the biggest, like the most brain capacity for them so that's awesome. my priority so i go for my walk and then i listen to my client check-ins and i reply to my client check-ins i update the programs and that's non-negotiable and i can only go to the gym if i've done that otherwise everything that's going to be on my mind when i'm at the gym is my clients um, yeah. so and training early in the afternoon not training at night because at night i just need to wind down and be comfortable like just do like my journaling meditation have my sleep routine um and if that's get disturbed it's the same as you like it doesn't work yeah Um, so i have a very strict routine as well where i take my supplements 30 minutes before bed an hour before bed i like dim the lights it's like it's a whole process too uh and if i stick to it it works wonders even deep in prep when i was on like freaking 1200 calories and doing like an hour of cardio every day and 12,000 steps, I still stuck to that. And that worked, I still was yeah. able to sleep and not being woken up by hunger, or fatigue or whatever. Um, so just having a strict routine, uh, it, it sounds overwhelming at first, but it's really the only way that got me through prep.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, there are some people who can can get away with it for sure just genetically and just psychologically, right? Someone who doesn't deal with anxiety or ADHD, uh, who could be very flexible in those situations. And that's definitely a skill that you need to have, um, is just to be able to be flexible. Stuff's going to come up. But that being said, uh, I still think ultimately, it is smart to have some sort of routine that you follow, even if you have some variance in that, or you're someone who can handle a certain level of variance. Uh, It does, like you said, it's overwhelming at first, but it's also, uh, it's habitual, so it's not something you think about, like you get up and you do these things and, and there it's, it's almost autopilot. Right. Uh, so so I think like what I don't, can't remember what it is and you've studied psychology, but is it like stacking where you have yeah, a certain behavior? You would have a certain behavior that you do and then you add a behavior on to that. Right. And that's how I yeah. built those those two, the morning and night routines, especially really easy to do because, hey, like I get up, I have my coffee, go for a walk, take my dogs out. I go to the gym. Um, and then that's like, hey, my morning routine, that's my stacked routine, right? I, I built onto that, right? And then same with nighttime, like, oh, I, needed, I I know I need to do this thing. Okay, well, let's add it on to the thing I already do. Hey, after I'm done eating my meal, I'll brush my teeth and then do this. Uh, that, that helped me. And building those, especially at the start of prep, and then you just write you just that out the whole way.
1: And and doing small steps. Don't take yeah. too big of a step because this is going to like bite you in the ass at the end. Can, right, right. Will. You need to like lower your expectations on what you can achieve, especially on prep, because you're already an underfunctioning yeah. human. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Scaling, scaling your expectations for yourself with oh, where yeah. you're at. That's something that I've struggled with for sure with business and 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 whatnot um, and social media too. Like uh, you, I'm I'm in the same place as you where I've had to scale back. And uh, only, you know, work with the clients I have, like I, I have a restaurant job, I work sometimes I can't even, uh, I don't have the functionality to do it right now. And I know I'm taking a hit doing that, but I also understand that I have a certain capacity. Um, so there's only so much you can do. Uh, and then having your priorities in, in, in check, right? Um, structuring your day in a way your priorities are are met with, you know, for you, your client's. Um, knowing that the things that you you want to get done and and are non-negotiable as well and making sure those get done first that's something that i've done um one other thing i'm sure you do this but i've been really I, i've been harsh on myself in the past but like having um just time for yourself
1: you have to you have to if you don't you will lose your mind like yeah. you have to have downtime you have to have your like alone time and that's why i go on my walks by myself Walks, like, yeah. My, I just moved here with my partner, upstate New York. Um, We live in like a small-ish apartment, like a small-ish. It's on a studio, like it's a one bed, one bath. But like, we're like we both we both are online coaches, so we literally work at home all day. We see each other all day. We go to the gym together. We drive together. Yeah. at some point during the day he goes on a walk by himself i go on a walk by myself and each other has like downtime alone time and we need that space um and when you're in contest prep your tolerance for people lowers as you go like as you get deeper in contest prep like you just need more time by yourself and it's also harder to be in social situations because you're hungry you're irritated like it gets hard and you have to remove yourself from the situations and it's not a bad thing you're just prioritizing what you want to achieve right now and it's okay to prioritize yourself
0: it'll be there and remember that it'll be there um you know don't needlessly do it like i think like there's there comes a point like some people will start it like you know 12 weeks out start stop social situations like no i was able to to still go out and have some food with friends or or my girlfriend go out to dinner at that time but but then you kind of you you can kind of reassess every week, like, hey, where's my hunger at? Where's my tolerance for other individuals? And you kind of have to scale that back instead of it it happening for you. Like it's like a, a good analogy in training is like taking a a a a, de- a deload uh, almost preemptively, or at least having some idea of when you're going to deload. It was also like, hey, like when do I need to pull back uh, and and kind of and you know, reevaluate uh, or, or kind of take a step back from, from, uh, other obligations. So I can prioritize this thing, you know, for a period of time. Right.
1: And if you don't do it, your body will tell into you.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Cause same, same as in training, right. You, if you don't yeah. do it like for me and, uh, I'm sure with you, with someone who has like a, a, an anxiety disorder, you'll be met with, with anxiety and that in prep in a prep environment for me is, 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 is what can cause issues, right? Is like you don't have a lot of food, you don't have a lot of energy, and then then trying to manage anxiety with that is is a, a really difficult challenge. I've found
1: <laughs> it will make you very resilient.
0: Yeah, yeah. Amongst a lot of other things. Um, one other thing before I get you out of here, uh, female contest prep recovery. Um, I I I'm, I'm I'm starting to educate myself more on this, but I wanted you to touch on it. Um, because as competitors in general, um, we generally will get to a certain level of leanness and we, you know, it's hard to get let go of that. Right. It's like, Hey, oh, I achieved yeah. this, I achieved this look like for myself, this is the leanest I've ever gotten. I, I know I'm not going to want to let go of it, uh, because it's, it's such a big accomplishment for me, <laughs> but I know in order to recover, I need to. And that's, uh, uh from what I understand, especially important for females, um, is is re- recovery of uh, especially if you're a natural athlete recover well i guess in, in enhanced too from a health perspective uh, but re- re- recovery of menstrual cycle and um, normal hormonal function uh, for men and women but could you touch on that um has that been something you've struggled with in the past what did you what did you do um after this show um in order to do that um yeah just touch on that if you can
1: It's it's my favorite topic ever for for females and for males. But yes, Uh, I do not like the reverse diet. Reverse diet, when you're coming out of a show, is completely inappropriate, in my opinion. Uh, Uh,
0: Real quick, sorry to interrupt. Reverse diet, um, could you define that versus...
1: recovery diet so what yeah, i yeah. what i yeah my approach is recovery diet versus a reverse okay, okay. diet Re, reverse diet is pretty much uh increasing your calories through time kind of slowly enough so you can remain somewhat lean and build up your calories so the goal is to stay lean and uh, eat more the problem with the reverse diet if you're being competing if you've lost your menstrual cycle if your hormones are out of whack and if you've been competing your hormones are out of whack um the problem is that you will probably stay in a deficit for a long time before you actually reach maintenance or you will be at maintenance, but you will still be under eating and you won't be recovering. Your hormones won't be recovering. You need to gain body fat. And there is a very overwhelming amount of evidence that suggests that you need to increase your body fat post-show almost as fast as possible to actually get back to like normal functions hormonally. Um, and that's why I prefer the recovery diet because the recovery diet allows you to just eat more right after the show, gain body fat back and just becoming a more functional human physiologically and psychologically, like a month after the show, which is massively important for literally every function of your body. Um, so what I personally did, uh, so my prep last year was almost a year. Uh, I started prepping January 3rd oh. and I stepped on stage at Worlds uh November 20th. Yeah. Um, this entire time I had very little diet breaks, uh, very little refeeds, uh, a few days at maintenance, uh, most of that was in a deficit. And unfortunately I have a very adaptable metabolism, meaning that I diet, (laughs) I I am five seven and I started prep at 150 pounds. I ended up my diet for the past months of prep at 1,250 calories for a very long time. What was your starting
0: Um, uh, caloric amount?
1: 1,700, I think. 1,700. So across the year, I lost about 500 calories. And I started with no cardio. And I ended up doing cardio every single day of the week for 45 minutes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: On on top of twelve to fifteen thousand k's, depending on how we were in the year. Um, so yeah, yeah. that that is a that is a cockroach metabolism. Um, yeah, I got one. I, I got probably,
0: one too. I'm with you there.
1: We we will survive an apocalypse. So that's the good thing. Um, <laughs> that's how I see myself. I'm like, okay, that there's got to be a one damage right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I lost my period. Almost instantly, uh, I think a couple of months into prep, I lost my period. Uh, my menstrual cycle was completely inexisten.t I had no ovulation, no bleed, nothing. Ha- when well, nothing was happening, no sex drive. Addressed um, uh, everything that comes with it: high hunger, low satiety, all the good stuff. Um, I had my period back in April this year, uh, so I went a year and a month without any sign of my menstrual cycle um and this is not a like this is not a rare thing this is very common between females and as much as people don't want to talk about it or they see it as like they wear it as a badge of honor like i got so lean that i lost my period Mm -hmm. it's not it's not healthy it's not a badge of honor (laughs) you shouldn't be proud of it it just happens with prep as a byproduct of everything that's happening physiologically Uh, so i it took me about seven months seven months not seven months and november to april five months it took me five months to get my period back and i did that by uh limiting my exercise um so i went from six days a week to four days a week limiting my step count so step i lowered yeah. my step count pretty drastically i completely stopped doing cardio and i ate to satiety That meant in about five months, I gained 25 pounds back um, from stage weight. Uh, So it sounds like a lot for a female, especially for a natural female. But this is what I had to do to get my period back. And if you lose your period, if you lose your menstrual cycle, you can have irreversible bone density loss, meaning that even if you're 20, 25, 30, you could actually lose bone density forever, and it will never come back. Um, So that is probably the main thing that's to mention. And then obviously, if you don't have your period, um, you are losing a lot of functions that are supposed to happen within your body that you do not want to lose as a female. Um, So you need to be ovulating, you need to be bleeding. um, So you know uh recovering your period as fast as you can is uh the major concern for females post show uh if you lost it if you don't if you haven't lost it you got lucky some people actually keep their period into the show it doesn't mean that you should stop like reversing out of a show you should still eat right. up and you should still try to get your hormones back on track because even if Absolutely. you still have your menstrual cycle your hormones i guarantee are fucking wacky
0: right right most definitely cuz the just the deficit and the activity and whatnot um low energy availability state will will suppress your sex hormones which um exactly. you know for building muscle for just basic function uh all that stuff it, it definitely can get in the way
1: it's everything uh, it affects like cognitive function your sexual yeah. function like literally everything you want to do is going to be worse if you right. are in a low energy availability. yeah state. yeah
0: and it's and it's important to prioritize you know you've you've, you've done it right especially if you've done a show like you've achieved that thing now. Now let's prioritize being a normal human. I mean, I, 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 I love bodybuilding, but I want nothing more after I get off stage than to be able to go out to eat with my girlfriend and be a normal human and not be food focused. Uh, and the only way to do that is to bring your calories uh, into probably a slight surplus, not even just maintenance, and maybe even a slight oh, yeah. surplus, gain some body fat back, and, you know, and get back to uh, normal physiological function. Like there's other things in life, especially in your case, like a whole year, I couldn't even imagine. Uh, that's, that's so rough. Uh, you know, it's like, I, 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 am sure that like, it's, it's, you don't want to continue to have those same, like, you know, the food focus and that psychological, uh, know. you know, and, and it, and it's potentially disordered if you're like trying to hold on to uh lean physique, right. It's like, what are you accomplishing? Like, obviously you look great, but like, at the cost of all of these other problems, right? And especially when you're talking about long-term bone uh, mineral density loss, especially if you're thinking really long-term, like what's one of the number one um, uh, causes of mortality and loss of independence in old age is, is falling. And if yeah. you got a fracture or a hip fracture or something like that, you know, you're done. So uh, it's huge, especially if you're thinking long-term, long-term.
1: And if you if, if you stay at maintenance calories after a show, you will still be in an energy available, like in a low energy right, right. available state. You have yeah. to be in a surplus. Yeah, and yeah. It, once you've had stomach veins, you do not want to gain weight because those will be covered instantly. But you know, it's stomach veins are good for the stage. That's it. That's the function yeah, they have.
0: And you can still look good. Like you don't have to like, you know, you can you can <laughs> you can get into a slight surplus uh, you know, gain some weight back, get your function back. And then you could go to maintenance, um, and you could do a nice gradual, uh, massing phase and you can still look great, uh, throughout that. You don't have to like, you, you just have to understand that, like, Hey, what, what this, you know, this stage and the stage and that time around stage, that look is not sustainable. Um, and, and I, and I know with maybe a less experienced competitor too, they could think that like, that's something that's sustainable because, you you see people on on the internet all the time that that's what they look like you think they look like that all the time uh, and if they do they're making either large health trade-offs in taking certain drugs year round or they're take or they are experiencing all of those adaptations all those negative consequences and their life's probably a mess outside of that so uh, again the, the transparency or lack of is 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 huge there
1: they're probably miserable people and yeah. i always say to my 100%. clients how to compare themselves ig is a highlight reel you do not know what people are actually going through and most of the time those people are either heavily drugged and kind of miserable anyway because they're trying to sustain a body that's too lean for them to be functioning normally on or they have genetic elite like elite
0: yeah yeah, and there's a genetic component too right
1: and and there's nothing like you, you, you're not going to change your genetics. So don't, don't compare yourself to those people anyway, because that's something that's out of your control.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. And and worrying about what you do have control over and for, you know, not worrying about what you don't. Oh yeah. All right, Jess. Well, uh, I'm gonna let you get out of here. Thank you for staying on for so long. This is a really great talk. Of course. Uh, I just, I can't tell you how much I respect your approach to coaching and um, you know, it's, it's awesome to see i would say we have uh similar value systems to some degree and it's awesome to see other people uh, leading in coaching uh like that and I, I hope that it becomes the rule not the exception in in especially in bodybuilding coaching and in just general uh, online coaching um but i think it's, it's really cool to see other um, people doing it and i think the best we can do is continue to communicate and continue to lift each other up and that's kind of why i want to do this podcast and stuff but um, yeah, I, I just wanted to thank you for, for doing what you do.
1: I appreciate that. And I do think if I can say one last thing before I lose my voice, um, the whole aspect of like collaborating with people and other coaches instead of like bashing each other is fantastic. And this should be yeah, hundred
0: percent. Well, in anything, like, I mean, I was backstage at, at my bodybuilding show and, you know, it, I was just trying to, to, to make friends and, and, and talk to people because like, you think about like, bodybuilding in general uh in this physique sport it's so odd it's so obscure There's, you know it's it's such a weird thing for a lot of people it's like we need more people to support each other i mean in general too um
1: yeah
0: so i, I think it's, it's really big but yeah again collaborating communicating I, I and and then also knowing that you're you know you're not alone being able to reach out to other people like even oh, yeah. you have you you've reached out to me during this prep which has been huge. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a really, really big thing. This is like being able to, to do that. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously you, you've, you've shown that, uh, by example, just in your general interaction outside of your coaching too. So it's, it's great that you do that. So, uh, where, where can people find you as far as coaching and, and, and social media and stuff?
1: everything's on Instagram. Uh, I don't have much activity anywhere else. So Jess Dalglish on Instagram. That's the only way to find me that's accessible.
0: Yeah. You have your coaching link in your bio as well, or your application and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. I highly recommend you guys follow Jess, um, just from her, from her transparency, uh, uh, her, her book recommendations have been amazing. I've, i saved, I literally just saved one on audible while we were talking. Um, so I can't, I, I've definitely got a lot of good books from you over the, over the time of following you. So, and then just lots of great posts about psychology and, and coaching and stuff like that. I learn a ton. And I think, you know, anytime you have someone who provides value like that, you should, you should always follow them. So I'll, I'll put your links down below, Jess.
1: Thank you.
0: Cool. Thanks for coming on.